is it? That's the question we're going to answer today. Hello, friends. My name is Joe Franks. This is the weekly podcast called Unfathomable Grace. comes out every Thursday. Today's date is October 13th, 2022. Christians are called the vineyard of God. They exist to be fruitful and multiply. They're called to walk in the Spirit and display His fruit. Yes, every single hour of every single day, they are to love, think, speak, and do that which is pleasing and glorifying to God. They are to bear fruit for the Master. Much fruit. Consequently, some hear this missional truth and respond with anxiety and shame. They must do more. They must do better. They must get their act together and produce fruit for God. However, others, gospel-informed Christians, hear this truth and respond with excitement and anticipation. For them, this is only good and hopeful news. Well, I guess that begs the question, doesn't it? Where do you stand? Where does your head go when you're reminded that Christians are called to bear fruit, much fruit? I think the answer can be found in the question, whose fruit is it? Perhaps Jesus' instruction in John 15 will be of some great assistance to your anxiety-ridden head. Jesus, in his final day before his arrest and crucifixion, gathers with his fellows. His hours are coming to an end. He gathers with his friends and presents one of his final lessons. And on on this occasion, he wishes to speak with them about fruit, his fruit, that which he plans on producing through them. In John 15, verses 1 through 17, the text goes as follows. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches." Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples." A few verses later, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have learned from my Father I have made known to you, and you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So in this text, the Father is the vine dresser. He is the one with a great passion for healthy vines, healthy branches, and much fruit. Fruit glorifies him. It brings him joy, and he loves to share his bounty with all who are found within his house. In this lesson, Jesus is the vine. 
more accurately, according to the text, he is the true vine. You see, many vines have proven to be fruitless. They are disappreciated and destroyed. However, Jesus, he is the thoroughly perfect, profitable, and pleasing vine. Consequently, when the great vine dresser is finished working with the true vine, there is sure to be an abundance of grapes and wine coming from their joint venture. It is the worshiper who is the branch. Christians are they who are connected to Christ, and their reason for existence is to bear much fruit for the vine dresser's glory and joy. Now, this is not explicitly stated in the text, but I believe it's reasonable to see the Holy Spirit as the sap. He is the life-giving force flowing through Jesus. He is the power flowing from Jesus through the branches. The Spirit is the power that supplies nutrients, fertility, and God-pleasing fruit. Now, in Jesus' illustration, there are two groups. There are certain worshipers who are only externally and temporarily attached. Sure, from an outsider's view, they appear to be vitally connected to Christ and fed by the Spirit. However, as Scripture records, looks can be deceiving. Such disciples have not the blessing of the Holy Spirit, and like Judas, they ultimately prove to be disconnected, lifeless, and fruitless. They serve not their fruity purpose, and ultimately they are disconnected by the vine dresser and placed in the kindling pile. But they are to be distinguished from true worshipers who are internally and eternally attached. These elect disciples are watered, cleaned, protected, and pruned by the Father. Additionally, these friends prove to be truly connected to the vine as they are perpetually nourished and sustained by the Holy Spirit. And their end and their produce is predetermined. These worshipers who can do nothing by themselves, can I say that again? These worshipers who can do nothing by themselves prove their genuine connectedness by their bringing forth fruit, much fruit. So what should we do with this teaching? Well, first of all, we should crave fruit. I think fruit represents anything good produced by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through Christians. This includes internal graces such as Godward affection, soul peace, unreasonable joy, long-suffering patience, personal humility. All these are internal. Hatred for sin persistent repentance, love for enemies, hunger for truth, a desire to serve, growth and wisdom. That's all fruit. Fruit can also include things that are seen. External graces of kindness, goodness, charity, obedience, pure speech, self-control, self-sacrifice, and sometimes certain spiritual gifts. I think you could also add the fruit that is seen in ministries such as reclaimed prodigals, new converts, revived disciples, developing leaders, and the multiplying of healthy churches and Christian institutions. I guess in some ways it's completely unhelpful to make a list for who can number the ways in which the Almighty can fruit his family. Uh, Just that being said, we should desire fruit. We should persistently pray for fruit, which is glorifying to our Heavenly Father. It also brings us joy. We should crave fruit, much fruit. Secondly, we should be expectant. 
knowing the predestined will of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, knowing their unchanged desire and their excellent skills, what should you expect? shouldn't expect anything other than a bountiful harvest. The three persons of the Godhead are experts in fruit cultivation. The world, the flesh, and the devil have no impact on their sovereign intentions. They will not fail. They will not be frustrated. They will glorify themselves by producing fruit in us. Therefore, get optimistic for a moment. We should be excited and expectant. Thirdly, we should be very humble. Intelligent believers recognize their impotency. We know apart from the labors of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we can do nothing. But consequently, upon finding good fruit coming out of our hearts, heads, mouths, and hands, we should give all glory and honor to God. He performs well. He produces fruit. We are merely the conduits, channels, or branches of His handiwork. Consequently, there remains no room in our lives for the congratulation of self, the making of comparisons, the judging of brothers who seem to be struggling a bit, or the devilish boasting of Nebuchadnezzar. The song is right. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Finally, we should abide in Christ. We should remain, continue, rest, persist, persevere, or stay connected. So what does it mean to have Christ abide in us and us abide in Him? After serious study, I I really have no better answer than this. To abide in Christ means to pray without ceasing. We should talk to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as we arise from our sleep, take our showers, read the scriptures, and eat our breakfast. Drive to our first appointment at school, the work, gym, a club, get your hair done, whatever. As we have our first conversations, we should pray without ceasing as we encounter our trials, experience our troubles, and face our temptations. And in those tests or temptations, whether we stand or fall, we should respond in prayers of thanksgiving or confession. When we make our phone calls, send our emails, or make our social media posts, we should pray. Whether in our business endeavor the Lord gives or takes away on that day, we should pray. As we we make our way home to our family, we should pray. We should pray when we realize the successes and failures of our spouses, sons, and daughters. And as we end the night with our spouse, we should pray. And all through the night, if we awaken under the care of our watchful Father, What should we do but to abide, to remain, to persist, to pray? And if we abide, if we remain, if we rest, if we persist in prayer, if we stay connected to the true vine, if we walk in the Spirit, if we keep step with the Spirit, we will find ourselves sovereignly fruited by the Holy Spirit in accordance with God's will and plan. So here's the big idea in one concluding sentence. Today, forget fruit. What? Today, let us focus more on the means of grace than on the fruits of grace. For if we pray fervently, we will produce fruit, much fruit.